TED Audio Collective. A quick new idea daily from the world's greatest TEDx talks. I'm your host, Atosa Leone, and this is TEDx Shorts. Aliens have invaded ancient history. They've cropped up in humanity's past through popular television and movies, displacing facts with absurd yet commonplace beliefs like aliens built the pyramids. Archaeologist Sarah Koenig illustrates why these misconceptions perpetuate racist and xenophobic notions of history and culture and demonstrates how you can help debunk these dangerous, outlandish myths. A few years ago, a stranger sitting next to me on a plane asked what I did for a living. I told him that I'm an archaeologist and I study the ancient Maya. He said, wow, I love archaeology and told me how excited he gets when hearing about new finds. Then he told me how amazing it is that aliens from the planet Nibiru had come to Earth and established the ancient Sumerian culture in Mesopotamia. I have these conversations a lot. On planes, in bookstores, and in bars, people want to talk with me about pseudo-archaeology, something that seems like archaeology but isn't. It involves making wild and unproven claims about the human past. Things like aliens built the pyramids or survivors from the lost continent of Atlantis invented hieroglyphic writing. Now, most of us know that claims like these are unfounded and frankly absurd, yet they're everywhere. They're on TV shows, in movies, and in books. Think of the History Channel series Ancient Aliens, currently in its 15th season. Or of the most recent Indiana Jones movie about the kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Or Eric Von Daniken's classic book, Chariots of the Gods. Here's the crucial question. Who cares? It's just entertainment, right? Isn't it a nice escape from reality and a fun way to think about the world? It's not. Most pseudo-archaeology is racist and xenophobic. And like other forms of entertainment, it influences our culture in real ways. Let me give you an example. It's common to hear pseudo-archaeologists claim that groups like the ancient Egyptians or the ancient Maya accomplished incredible things, but only with the help of outside groups, like aliens or people from Atlantis. What you rarely hear is pseudo-archaeologists claiming that, say, Romans had help building the Colosseum, or that Greeks had help building the Parthenon. Why is that? For pseudo-archaeologists, Europeans could have accomplished their feats on their own, but non-Europeans must have had outside guidance. Claims like these are not just outrageous, they are offensive. Here, and in so many other instances, pseudo-archaeology sustains myths of white supremacy, disparages non-Europeans, and discredits their ancestors' achievements. 
I've spent the last 12 summers doing archaeological fieldwork in the Maya area. Several years back, I was staying in a small village along the Belize-Guatemala border. I spent day after day in the lab staring at tiny, brown, eroded pieces of ceramics. The Maya man who lived across the street made slate carvings to sell to tourists. He'd stop by every once in a while to chat, and one day he brought over a slate carving, and it was this image. The image carved into the sarcophagus lid of the Maya king Pakal around his death in 683 AD. This image is incredible, and it's complex. It shows the deceased king rising from the jaws of the underworld to be reborn as a deity. In the center is a stylized world tree that extends from the underworld through the realm of the living into the upper world. Around the edges is a sky band with symbols for the sun, moon, and stars. I was so excited to talk with my neighbor about ancient Maya religion, cosmology, and iconography. Instead, he wanted to talk about an ancient aliens episode he had seen, the one about the Maya. And he told me that this image was of an astronaut at the controls of a rocket ship. I was shocked. Instead of marveling at his own ancestors, he was in awe of a fictional alien. He even told me that one day he hoped to give this carving to Eric Von Daniken, father of the ancient aliens phenomenon. Pseudoarchaeology undoubtedly harms its subjects, often indigenous people like the Maya, but it also harms its viewers. It harms all of us. Like other forms of racism, it exacerbates inequality and prevents us from appreciating and benefiting from human diversity. What's really scary is that pseudo-archaeology is a small part of a much bigger problem. It's just one example of people getting history wrong on purpose, of people knowingly changing historical and archaeological facts. Why would anybody do that? Often, the past is knowingly changed either to uh, justify racism in the present or to present a nicer version of history, a version of history that we can all take pride in. Six years ago, Jefferson County, Colorado, became a battleground over how to teach American history to high school students. The advanced placement curriculum had been expanded to include things like uh, the removal of Native Americans to reservations and the rise of extreme economic inequality. Members of the local school board were upset. They vigorously protested the changes, arguing that the new curriculum didn't do enough to promote capitalism or American exceptionalism. Right now, we are in the midst of a heated debate over public monuments to controversial figures, people like Robert E. Lee and Christopher Columbus. Should these monuments be left as they are, destroyed, or put in museums? 
And what should happen to the protesters who deface these monuments? Should they be praised for helping debunk myths of white supremacy? Or should they be punished for vigilanteism and lawlessness? What do we make of scenes like this? For me, debates about history curricula and public monuments suggest similar messages. First, the past is political. What we choose to remember and forget relates directly to current political concerns. Second, we need to consider who presents the past. Who chooses the content of history textbooks and the subject matter of public monuments? Imagine how our understanding of history might be different if it was told by the marginalized rather than the powerful. We can help combat racism and xenophobia today by changing how we think about the past. Archaeologists need to do two things. First, we need to make our discipline more inclusive. We need to work with and for the descendants of the people we study. Richard Leventhal's work at Tiasuco, Mexico is groundbreaking, pun intended. For over a century, foreign archaeologists have traveled to the Maya area to excavate the things they thought were interesting, mostly temples and pyramids. Leventhal took a different approach. Instead, he asked the contemporary Maya of Tiasuco what they thought was interesting. And it turns out they didn't particularly care about temples or pyramids. They were interested in the caste war, a major but understudied colonial period Maya rebellion. Second, we need to make archaeology more accessible. The last time I walked into a bookstore, I asked where I could find the archaeology books. The clerk took me to a section labeled Ancient Mysteries and Lost Knowledge. It had books with titles like Extraplanetary Experiences. And what is absolutely absurd about this is that real archaeology, archaeology based in scientific facts and historical context, is fascinating. You don't need aliens to make it interesting. It's up to us archaeologists to find new ways to share our work with the public. And this used to be the norm. In the 1950s, there was a game show on CBS called What in the World? The host would present an object, an artifact, and the archaeologist contestants would try to figure out what this thing was and where it was from. The show was funny and interesting and exposed viewers to the diversity of human cultures. Beginning in the mid to late 1960s, archaeology changed focus. Instead of concentrating on public engagement, archaeologists began working together to professionalize the discipline. On the plus side, we now have things like Bayesian analysis of radiocarbon dates and theoretical approaches like the new materialisms. But in the process, archaeology left the public behind. Shows like what in the world became less common and pseudo-archaeology emerged to fill the void. But we can all contribute to changing how we think about the past. When you see a pseudo-archaeological claim, 
be skeptical. And know that if you post about Atlantis, tweet about ancient aliens, or forward a clip from a pseudo-archaeology TV show, even if it's not your intention, you may be promoting racism and xenophobia. Also know that the past is alive. It is political, it is ever-changing, and it influences our daily lives in meaningful ways. So the next time that you watch the History Channel, read an archaeology book, or view a public monument, remember that every statement about the past is a powerful statement about the present. The TEDx talk you just listened to was recorded at a TEDx event in Denver, Colorado. All TEDx events are independently organized by volunteers who believe in TED's mission of ideas worth spreading. Special thanks to the organizing team at TEDx Mile High. Want to listen to the full talk? Find Sarah's talk and more at ted.com slash TEDxShorts. I'm Atosa Leone. Thanks for listening and see you next time.